Hello and welcome back to the Vol Report Show. I'm Ryan Sylvia, joined by Dale Dowden. We are with VolReport.com on the Rivals Network. And before I start the show today, I wanted to quickly touch on some big news. We are now not just on YouTube, but also on your favorite streaming platform. So if you go over to Spotify or to Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to us there as well. Links to all of that will be in the description. I know some people were asking for that. So we got on it and we're excited to be able to launch on those platforms as well. But today, as I said, I'm joined by Dale Dowden, our lead recruiting analyst over at Vol Report. He knows everything there is to know about Tennessee recruiting. So I'm really excited to talk to him about not only the recruits that are committed for the 2024 class, the guys that are maybe still on the table for Tennessee, but also some guys that he's covered that are now on the team that are looking to start their college career. So that's exactly where we're going to start. Dale, tell me about, are there any freshmen on the team that were part of the 2023 class that maybe have flown a little bit under the radar that you're pretty high on and think can make an impact? Yeah. Um, I know one uh, definitely we saw stand out in the spring game, and not really so much that he went to rate it. Really, don't really know if as much as others, which is uh, Deshaun Bishop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him run extremely hard in the spring game, very productive. Uh, I think the one thing we all spoke about is maybe getting a little bit bigger just to be able to help out in the pass pro. Uh, and that takes place. I mean, he's definitely in line to see himself on the field. Um, another guy, the same kind of the same position was Cam Selton. Cam Selton mm-hmm. looked really good in the spring game, definitely kind of a – Kind of a late bloomer in a sense. He got a real big jump in the ratings and the rankings, you know, in the latter part of his recruitment. And then you start seeing some of the comparisons, you know, whether it be to former Vol Cordero Patterson, or I've even had a few people make comparisons to former Florida Gator in Percy Harvin with the dynamic abilities that he has and stuff he's capable of doing. Those are two guys definitely I would watch for. Yeah, I think Tennessee would definitely take a, a Percy Harvin or Cordero Patterson type of guy with this offense, I'm sure. <laughs> Eiffel could do a lot with that type of skill set. And I think those are two really important guys given their position because in Heupel's first two seasons, he hasn't had necessarily the depth that you've wanted at the running back position. So now, even though they're freshmen, I, th- I think they're going to come in and do a great job. Uh, of course, Deshaun Bishop going to miss some time, j- just got ruled out with injury as he recovers from that. Heupel seemed optimistic that he could maybe get it going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, two guys that, that could definitely have bright futures at Tennessee. Yeah. I want to touch on two guys in that 2023 class, though, that definitely did not fly under the radar, were kind of the the top of that class. Of course, the number one guy being Nico at quarterback, all the headlines there. Mm-hmm. But then also at tight end, Ethan Davis, another guy that kind of stood out in that spring game, eventually went down injury. He's fine, though. He's back. He's looked good at practice. What are your thoughts on those two guys, kind of the, the headliners of the class? Do you think that they're probably going to live up to that expectation? So, you know, it's, it's usually hard to kind of tell that initially. Um, you know, I've actually I've been around both of those guys before. Uh, both of them have a very good head on their shoulders. You know, they're mm-hmm. not, you know, the what you would consider the cocky prima donna type, you know, athletes that are all that are the elite caliber. You know, Nico and Ethan Boach is very cool, collective, very businesslike. Uh, and they kind of have a, a different avenue in a sense that I think, you know, in a perfect scenario, Hopple and the staff probably won't, you know, to keep Nico off the field as much as 
possible just mm-hmm. so he can, you know, fully learn and get a good grasp of everything. You know, you don't want to force him into the fire, you know, unless you absolutely have to, which is a little bit different with Ethan Davis. You know, he comes in, you know, losing um, Princeton Fant uh, last year, you know, so he's coming in, uh, kind of filling that little void a little bit. And like you touched on, you know, we saw in the spring game, very physical, uh, very good catch radius. <laughs> the ball that Nico put up the sideline is mm-hmm. as beautiful of a pass that was. That was a great extension and catch by Ethan Davis. Showing very strong hands. You know, you alluded to the injury that, you know, he kind of left that game early. But him being back, uh, definitely, definitely expect to see Ethan Davis at some point this season. I think that was a great point you made on kind of the different timetable that both players have. On one hand, you have Nico, who you're hoping is only going to maybe – play here and there when the game's out of hand yeah. and Joe Milton's put it away at the end of a game like Austin P. that's when you're probably seeing Nico. But on the other end, Ethan Davis probably sitting at tight end number three right now. And, and Tennessee likes to run those 12 personnel schemes, get two tight ends on the field. There, there's definitely going to be opportunities for Ethan Davis to make an immediate impact. But the last kind of group of guys I want to touch on in that 2023 class before we move on to the future is on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, Tennessee has looked to, to get some help on that end. And I feel like they've recruited pretty well on the defensive side, given kind of the ideology that that hypo goes with. So is there anyone on the defensive side of the ball that has stood out or stood out to you? I, th- I think you'd have to circle Arian Carter's name with that one. Uh, hearing a lot of stuff coming out of, you know, practices and scrimmages, you know, and we heard a lot of stuff about him going even through spring. Um, he just, you know, you got a linebacker type of kid. You know, he's a linebacker, very physical, uh, understands the position. He's one of those guys that, you know, you kind of dream of landing for your defensive class. You know, you bring him in, you know, all the tools are there. You just kind of have to mold him into kind of what you're doing, get him used to, you know, your philosophies, terminologies, what his assignments are. Very smart kid, very high IQ football-wise. Uh that's definitely to me. Uh, there's a there's a couple in that defensive group, but that's definitely one to me that I, I'm more intrigued to really sit there and watch him touch the field at some point this year. Yeah, and that was a guy that they didn't necessarily think they were going to land the whole time. Ended up choosing Tennessee over schools like yes. Alabama in December, yeah. which was just a massive win. Kind of put that class uh, over the top. It was like oh, we have a good class here. It's it's going to be good, but landing that big time linebacker definitely made a difference. The Actually, looking at it now, the the third to last guy to commit to Tennessee in that class, Emmanuel Okoye and Deshaun Bishop were the other two. And it's tough to almost even count those. Of course, Okoye uh, coming in, I, I guess that's May. Uh, yeah, May uh, 17th. And then Deshaun Bishop, originally a commit of Coastal Carolina, kind of had to reshape things after a coaching change. So it was a late addition with Aaron Carter, not necessarily fully expected, but definitely welcome because, as you said, Uh, I've been at the practices. You only get to see so much, but everything we've seen, he's looked really good. He he looks bigger than what a freshman linebacker would necessarily look like. And you you talk to players and coaches, and they've just raved about him. Uh, McAllen Castle's tight end, uh, he was asked, hey, who's one guy on the defensive end that stood out to you? Not even asked about a freshman that stood out to you, but just anyone on the team that stood out to him. And he instantly was like, Arian Carter is a beast. So. Uh, definitely a lot of people singing his praises should be interesting to see how his career develops but a guy that like Ethan Davis going to start in that reserve role but by the end of the year could be playing uh, some big snaps for Tennessee but let's move over Mm -hmm. to the 2024 class guys they're wrapping up their kind of prep careers right now before they head to Knoxville to join Tennessee 
One five-star committed to the Vols at the moment, Mike Matthews at wide receiver. What do you think Tennessee's getting in him? Getting a very, very dynamic playmaker. Um, I actually uh, went and saw him last night as they took on uh, Kale High School in the Corky Kale Classic. The one thing about Mike Matthews and most time receivers, they don't get enough credit for this when they do it well. But obviously when they, when they make a mistake, everybody notices he blocked his tail off last night. Obviously, it wasn't the biggest night statistically for him. I think he only had – I think he had under five catches, probably roughly in the 60 to 80-yard mark, somewhere around that point. But it just seemed like every play you looked up, he was latched onto a DB and just running them. There was two plays last night that really stood out. It was one of each defensive back because they moved him around quite a bit. He put both of their starting corners on their back. He ran one of them pretty much kind of off the sideline before he finally just drove them into the ground. And I was standing there with uh, Matt Ray of Allquest, and we kind of looked at each other like, did you just see that? And if not mistaken, <laughs> I believe Matt got that on video. So if that video ever surfaces, people are going to really enjoy seeing that. Is it? Speed guy, very elusive. His stop and go transition while he's running is ridiculous. Uh, I think he had a play last night. Pretty sure he made about four or five people miss, and one of them maybe the same guy twice before he finally, you know, ends up kind of tiring out toward the end. Uh, so very athletic, uh, great ball skills. He tracks the ball in the air very well. Um, a lot of people know he plays both sides of the ball in high school. Was actually initially recruited as an athlete with the discretion of whichever college he decided to choose what side of the ball he would play. Tennessee feels like he gives him the best, you know, option on the offensive side. And you, you can tell, I mean, and people know who he is. When he lines up, if they're not, you know, trying to double him up or have a guy coming over the top, they have a corner up in his face that they just do not want to let him have a free release. Because you give a kid like that a free release, runs very solid routes, he's going to get open and – that's just not a kid you want to turn loose like that. Yeah, a guy that's a five-star for a reason, for sure. And I think that talking about his ability to block, and, and not just the ability, but the willingness oh, to yes. block when, yes. as you said, it's like yes. he's not necessarily having a statistically great game, but he's still locked in and, and willing to help the team in any way. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of speaks to, like we touched on with Nico and Ethan Davis, where Hypo's recruiting – guys that are fitting the culture that Tennessee wants to build. And, and I think that that's kind of a testament to that. So I, I think that's a big deal. I think that he could be a, a great addition for Tennessee. Of course, the ability to put up some ridiculous numbers as a wide receiver in, in the Vols offense. So it should be fun to watch his career. Another guy, the, the second highest rated guy in the class uh, by Rivals.com is, of course, Boo Carter, in-state kid from Chattanooga. Listed as an athlete, though, he, he's said in the past that he thinks he could probably play both sides of the ball. Have you heard anything about what necessarily Tennessee wants to do with him? Is he going to be a two-way player? I don't know the last time that there's really been a two-way player in college football that's dominated on both sides of the ball. Do you think he's leaning one way or the other? And, and kind of what is Tennessee getting from him? Um, I can say uh, from talking to Noah and Boo, if it was his decision, he would play both sides of the ball. He, he's mm -hmm. a kid that wants to be on the field. He wants to make an impact. It, it, what you love to have in a play, like you don't want a player that, that coming in kind of, you know, timid, and obviously you don't really run into that a whole lot. But he's definitely good. He wants to be on the field as much as possible. 
Uh, the last I heard as far as what Tennessee's plans were with him, it, it sounded like it was still kind of open, not necessarily to him playing both sides or is it just being open to the basically trying it, you know, both sides and see kind of what it fits best. I, I'm really not sure exactly what they're doing with that. So I really wouldn't be surprised, you know, if it's a thing that they work it out during practice to determine where they're going to put them or if, in fact, they do give him the option to play both sides of the ball. Because I know that ended up being a pitch because I know I, when I talked to him about Colorado, I believe Colorado, if they weren't the first, was one of the first schools to actually make the pitch of playing both sides, not, you know, being, you know, optional. It was legitimately a, a Travis Hunter type of deal. And, um, and I think a lot of the other teams kind of heard of that and they knew that that meant a big deal to him. And they all kind of – I don't know if they all necessarily made that same exact pitch or at least left that door open for conversation down the road. Yeah, I think that just speaks to the kind of athlete he is too, that there's the ability to even consider playing both sides of the ball at this high of a level. I, I think that says a lot about the skill set that he has. Mm -hmm. And, of course, also a big deal to lock down those borders, land the in-state kid. He, he really could have went anywhere in the country that he wanted to, it seemed like. So yeah. keeping him at home at Tennessee, I think, is a big deal as well. Looking at the rest of the class, there, there's a lot of guys that are at the top, uh, headliners like the Mike Matthews, like the Boo Carters. And, and we'll get to Jake Merklinger in a minute here. But is there anyone that you have to scroll down the list a little bit to that you think could be that sleeper that makes an impact? I actually think there's a, a, a couple in this class that have that potential. Uh, one of them is an in-state uh, lineman in uh, Jesse Perry. Um, I, I know a lot of people feel like he's slightly a bit undersized and you know, maybe he doesn't play the stiffest competition in the state. And those are fair arguments. The one thing that impresses me with Perry is, is all the technique and the fundamental stuff. Like he has a very good understanding of how to engage keep keep his feet moving, keep his feet under him, in, you know, in a, in a good stance. And he just understands the position. Like even like there's a, once there's a play or two in the video, if I'm not mistaken, in his highlights, where it looks like the guy he's blocking is either close to his size, if not bigger. So you, and, and he just understands it. instead of getting into like a, you know, a pushing match and kind of clogging up the hole, he takes the hip pocket angle and just drives them out of the play by keeping the speed moving. And I'm like, that's very, you know, you don't really see a whole lot of high school, even some of your elite guys, you don't see a lot of them understanding that. And it's about, he's just a player. He understands, you know, if he can't just straight dominate, he he's going to revert to his fundamentals and technique. And, use that lot. that's not enough because if you get with the guy that obviously physically more dominant than but that kid has a good technical sound to his game he can make things difficult um another guy another in-state guy who happens to be blue carter's teammate is marcus glory jr uh he is a guy that uh we've seen develop you know over the last year and a half and really starting to fill out in his body really really starting to take on that d1 body and seems like he may uh at Tennessee may either look at possibly he's just a guy he could play all across the secondary as well. So I'm not really sure exactly what their plan is for him, but he's a guy that, you know, not going to say early on, but he could probably get earlier snaps coming in, playing a nickel or something, but they could also move him to safety 
allow him to play corner. He's played a little bit of outside backer at Bradley Central. So he has a pretty good, you know, fundamental idea of kind of how to play quite a few positions on that defensive back end. Jesse Perrin, Marcus, Gorey Jr., both three stars right now on Rivals.com. If you look at the class, there's 19 total commits right now. They're coming in at number 10 in the country. Just four of them are three stars, and that's two right there that our man uh, Dale Dowden is already high on. And, and you look at Jesse Perry, who you mentioned on the offensive line. He, you're right. He, he doesn't necessarily have the frame yet to, to play at a high-level Division I SEC football, but he stands at 6'7". So there's definitely the opportunity to, to get the Love body the right. And, so that is – that's a that's a big guy uh, who, who's definitely got the opportunity to to come in and, and make an impact. Maybe slept on a little bit. I referenced it a little bit earlier, though. Jake mm -hmm. Merklinger, that's going to be your QB in the class right now. Four star uh, commit. He is the if I pull up his page right now to remind myself, number six uh, pro style quarterback in the country. Number 66 national player in the country out of Savannah, Georgia. Number 10 out of the Peach State. What is Tennessee going to get from Jake Merklinger? Do you think that he can kind of push Nico a little bit next year? Two young guys going to be competing to see the field. What What do you think his career at Tennessee is going to shape up to be? They're definitely gear, getting a fearless, fiery competitor. Um, if you remember back when he committed, he essentially told multiple people that he didn't care who was on the roster. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, a lot of people say stuff like that. But he backed that up by committing to a school that just landed, you know, <laughs> the top quarterback prospects yeah. in the country the year before and didn't bat an eye doing it. Uh, so he, he's able to say that. And with his decision to continue to go to Tennessee, he's proven that um, very good skill set. I mean, he's definitely uh, – it's one of those – I mean, obviously, you know, you kind of look at the picture and you would think that the idea is, you know, Nico with Jake behind but you you never know because you know his skill set is good himself you know he, he does a lot of good things you know very good arm um makes proper reads most of the time you know just a very good quarterback I mean, he's not you know a highly rated quarterback for no reason because he's not getting a lot of the obviously the five-star you know talk and five-star hype like that nico got so I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that turn into more of a competitive race versus Jake just simply coming in, knowing he's the backup just to push Nico. I think there's one, it, it may, you know, only last for a month or so. You know, it may last, you know, during the course of spring and summer and into fall camp. He, he's going to make that competitive, you, you know, at some point, at least for a little bit, if not all the way through. I mean, you could potentially be looking, you know, not, not trying to hop them up or put unrealistic expectations, but having two good quarterbacks like that back-to-back, -back, you almost could have like a Jalen Hurts to a top situation where if one yeah. goes down, you know, you don't, you have no issues throwing that other one and he goes right in and just kind of picks up. Even though his style is slightly different, the production is still there. Uh, that's definitely a, not a bad issue to have when you have two guys that are young quarterbacks that you think – could compete at a high level. You're not. You're never going to complain about that, right? So, definitely a, a good sign. And also, a thing that's like you want competition in your quarterback room. You you don't want to go into yes. every single yes. season saying this is our starter. In some cases, it makes sense. Like this year, obviously, Joe Milton's your starter. He, he's the veteran guy. You're bringing the freshman. It makes all the sense in the world to to play it how Tennessee has. 
some years when you have two guys that are younger or, or maybe you even bring in a transfer next year as well to compete mm-hmm. for a spot, it's only going to make everyone in the room better if we're all competing against each other in that type of atmosphere. So should be beneficial for both of those guys, no matter what ends up happening. Definitely, I, I would say at least whether it, either of their careers end at Tennessee or, or what ends up happening should be beneficial for them down the line that they get that experience with each other and against each other. Mm-hmm. But we're going to move away from the guys that have already committed. And I want to talk about some guys in the 2024 class who are still on the board for Tennessee. We'll start with maybe people or, or guys that have their commitment date set sooner than later. Who is someone that maybe within about the next month has Tennessee on their radar that, that the Vols could potentially land? Oh, as I know, over probably I think the next date it is uh, over the next uh, week or so, I think you have a uh, Camarion Franklin and Jordan Ross with their dates coming up. Um, Tennessee should feel like they're in a good spot with both. Um, not too sure about Camarion uh, Franklin. I haven't had a chance to talk to him in, in quite a while. But last time I was, you know, spoke with him, Tennessee was very much in the thick of things with a lot of people feeling like Tennessee may be, even be his leader at that point. I think Auburn is stayed strong in that race as well. So that that's definitely a team right there that, you know, is making a hard push for him as well that I know as far as outside contenders away from Tennessee. Um, but I, I would actually revert back to Mike Matthews for this one because I got a quote from him last night when uh, asked about uh, maybe who he is uh, peer recruiting, you know, after he dealt with the peer recruitment of Booth, you know, getting him yeah. now that he's in the boat, who are his sights setting on? No sooner than the question was finished without missing a beat, Jordan Ross. I mean, it's, it's like he knew that. I mean, obviously, he, he heard the question coming, but it's like he just, in his head, he already knew what he was going to say. Um, and I know a lot of people have had a lot of mixed emotions with Jordan Ross because it seemed like, you know, for the long, you know, Tennessee was in the very the thick of things. Maybe, again, maybe even slot being the leader, you know, then you start having other teams come into play, and it's like, well, now we're not sure. Um, you know, I spoke with uh, Jordan. I think the, well, the last time I spoke with him was back during the spring. And a big deal for him, which was the common fact with a lot of his top schools, is academics. He is wanting to get into, um, I'm wanting to say it was sports broadcasting, media relations, something in that field. And uh, Tennessee and some of the other schools that he was talking to at the time, they all have a good program in that. And, uh, one thing that's kind of stood out to me is as he's taken other visits, it, it, it seemed like it didn't take long after he done the recap, you know, with their guys, you know, about that visit that Tennessee, he was bringing Tennessee up in some of the interviews on his own, making comparisons with the team that he just visited. And to me, I, I get, you don't want to put words in the kid's mouth, but it, it's almost like he's using Tennessee as the measuring stick. Yeah. And if you're doing that, then that at least tells me that they're in the top point. If they're not the leading team at the at this point, they're the, in that top two to three. Like I, I just don't see you continuously bringing them up without someone mentioning them first, without that being a sign that they're stuck in your head. Um, and so out of those two, I, right now I, I feel a lot more comfortable with Jordan Ross than I do the Camarion Franklin right now. You know, which also that could change in a few days when I get a chance to talk to him. But right now, I mean, <clears throat> don't want to put a prediction or anything out like that, but it, I'd about to say if I was a betting man, I would have to give my percentage to, to Jordan Ross right now 
over the, I, I, as far as them landing him over potentially Marion Franklin. Yeah, I do think that says a lot that he's kind of using Tennessee as that measuring stake where it's like, yeah, that, that was great, but already comparing it to Tennessee. I said, don't want to put words in the kid's mouth, not saying that Tennessee's a lock to land him or anything, but I, I do think that says a lot about where the Vols stand on his list. And with Camarion Franklin, I mean, that would be a, a massive addition for Tennessee, a, a second five-star in the class, number 11 guy in the country, number two strong side defensive end, standing at 6'6", 255. It's not hard to, to say that that's going to be a big addition if the Vols can land him, but it does seem like uh, all the buzz you hear recently has been towards Auburn and Hugh Freeze's staff over uh, down in Alabama. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to, interesting to see what he does. It does seem like one of the situations where Auburn's just hot at the right time because there was a, a time when Tennessee felt like they were in a really good spot with them. And not that they're not in a good spot, but it, it seems like the tide has kind of shifted over towards Auburn. More balance. Yeah. So so we'll, we'll have to keep tabs on that. Their commitment date's coming up soon. We'll keep you updated over at VolReport.com, of course. Uh, one thing that we do that I think is pretty awesome is the impact analysis that you and, and Shane and, and a couple other guys do when we land these commitments. I, I think that those are, are awesome reads. So make sure you guys head over after Tennessee picks up commits, head over to VolReport.com, grab yourself a subscription, and they really lay out everything you need to know about these guys. They're, they're really fun reads. But that, that's all the questions I have for you today, Dale. Uh, thank you for for hopping on the show with me. We're going to touch back, uh, touch base again soon and, and keep doing this throughout the year and, and continue to give updates as things go along. Maybe get uh, Shane Pickering, another guy on, on our staff that knows a lot. Get some other guys to, to join us as well because recruiting season never stops, especially for football. There, there's always breaking news. So we want to keep people updated. But like I said, thank you so much for joining. If you want to tell people uh, where to follow yes, you on sir. Twitter, go ahead. Oh, yeah, you can follow me at Dale underscore Dowden, uh, D-A-L-E underscore D-O-W-D-E-N. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I uh, just covered Mike Matthews last night. Uh, the week is not over. Friday, we are heading to Nashville as the IMG Academy from Bradenton, Florida, comes up to take on Lipscomb Academy, which you know contains Caleb Beasley and Edwin Spillman, two more uh, Tennessee commits. Uh, Jonathan Eccles is traveling up with IMG. So there's three commits in, in the game, and I think we was doing numbers the other day between the two teams. There's probably about eight to ten guys that's worthy of interviews from that game. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it doesn't end there because the next night we'll be back downtown Atlanta in the Mercedes-Benz to close out the Corky Kell Classic. There you go. A lot of big stuff happening in the college or in the high school football world that is definitely – kind of important for Vols fans to keep their eye on. And if you want to be up to date on all of it, make sure you go over to Dale underscore Dowden on Twitter and also check us out at VolReport.com. We'll have all those interviews and and great content over there. I'm telling you guys right now, if you want to be as informed as possible on the next wave of guys coming into Tennessee and coming into college football in general, you need to be over on the Rivals Network. You need to be over at VolReport.com. We have you covered. You need to be there if you want to stay informed. But thank you guys for listening or watching, whether you're on YouTube or you're over on the streaming platforms now. We appreciate you guys giving us your time about half an hour today of good recruiting talk. It was a lot of fun catching up with Dale. Like I said, we'll do it again soon. But thank you guys for watching.